following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 17 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you today? Well, you know, Brad, I have been wondering all day why I couldn't have been born with a really cool visor attached to my face instead of just having these confounded eyes. Those are some really great visors, man. I I feel like uh I feel like if this movie came out today, you would see those things all over Hot Topic or wherever. The, the, and uh I I also feel like retroactively disappointed that uh John Cusack didn't wear those visors in uh, 16 Candles cuz uh, that that would have made that movie even better. <laughs> For the uh, last day this week, we have a very special guest from Watchmen Minute. We have Eric Jack Nash. Mr. Nash, how are you this evening? Hey, great to be back. One last time with you guys. It's uh, really been fun having you on. It's always great when uh, we have guests. Uh, well, we've been real lucky. Our guests have been fantastic, and it makes our lives a lot easier when people come on with uh, a great input to share. And uh, you have been no exception. So thank you so much for uh, for bringing for bringing your A game. Oh, thank you. We're very fortunate. Uh, we're going to continue having great guests. Eric, do, who, who do we have next week? Do, do you know off the top of your head? Actually, I do. It's one of the most well-known names in the movie-by-minute uh, universe, Crystal Beth. Oh, damn! We're major league now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack, have you had a chance to have? Have you had a chance to have Crystal Beth on yet? Uh, not, not recorded yet, but uh, she is scheduled. We do, we do have her in there, so I'm going to hold her to it. She is. Awesome. She is a fantastic guest. She, she she's I, I, God. I forget how many. It was an outrageous number of uh, minute by minute she's been on. Uh, she always brings her A game. But uh, but that's for next week. We have a great guest right now, and Jack, we've just been really lucky to have you on. Thank you again for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. So, Eric, what happens in minute seventeen? All right, we got a few. We got a few interesting things going on here. Uh, let's let's start out. Let's stick with the goggles guy, since we were talking about him a lot in yesterday's show. Uh, Goggles guy says that they're parallel. He's asked where they are. Clytus asked them where they are. He says they're parallel to Starfield Zigma 12. Now, I listened about five or six times to make sure I heard him saying Zigma and not Sigma, because Sigma is an actual word. It's a Greek letter. It's a symbol used in math. Zigma is not a word at all. So either Lobot here mispronounces the word Sigma and they just left it in the movie, or Sigma is a Mongo word that we just do not know on Earth. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Jack? Was this a mistake or they just wanted to change the word around? I, I, I really have a bad feeling it's a mistake, but I want it to be. <laughs> 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 nice little uh, Lucasian uh, Star Wars naming of something. <laughs> It could be both. It could be he screwed up the first time and uh, the director just says, like, nah, keep it. I like it. <laughs> it's like the Darth Sidious, Darth oh, the yeah, Sidious, right. Sidious. Uh, you know about that, Brad? No, I don't think I do. So the the the, the guys at Star Wars Minute have, have uh, enlightened us all about this, that in, in Attack of the Clones, there's the, the master named Sifo-Dyas, 
who uh, it, it is the one that supposedly placed the order for the clone army. Well, it was supposed to be Sidodius, and it was going to be Darth Sidious just using a very horribly too close to his real name pseudonym. There was a typo in the script, and it said Sidodius instead. So George Lucas said, oh, I like that. Let, let, let's stick with that instead, and which then left that mystery, though, completely unexplained in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and by the way, awesome work by uh, the guys at Star Wars Minute. Uh, that's the granddaddy of them all. Uh, everyone who does a minute oh, yeah. by minute, we owe a huge debt of thanks to the Star Wars Minute guys. And I don't know if we've called them out yet during the run of this show. But, you know, if not for them, we wouldn't have this. And uh, those guys just do fantastic work and uh, have such an obvious love of the genre. And uh, it was also really cool of them when they started getting calls from other groups uh, asking if they could do the same thing. Uh, they could have been uh, sort of churlish about it and uh, refused to give their blessing, but they're happy to have as many people uh, in this world as possible. So uh, big thanks to them and always doing great work. After uh, Goggles Guy gives his talk, uh, <laughs> a little bit more Slam, Sam Jones not having the easiest time sleep acting. Oh, they're, 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 Dale and Flash are practically engaged in relations at this point. I, I mean, they're both sweaty. They're nuzzling their heads together. Dale runs her hand down her cheek. With, uh, her face is practically orgasmic. I, I mean, th you know. There's no secret what's going on in this scene. We're going to have some more or more awkward Dale having to act turned on in weird scenarios. Uh, <laughs> the, the next time it happens, it gets really weird. So uh, this is we're going to look back on this minute fondly. <laughs> oh, yeah, this will be nothing. One thing that really struck me, and I, I think I briefly touched upon it last minute, but the bad guys are just doing way too much to keep Flash in the game. Because they talk about it's a lake of fire. That they were going through. Uh, yes, yeah, sea of fire. I think he calls it. And it's like, no, no, make sure, make sure everything's okay. Bring him in. It's like, no, just let him burn. It'll really work out better for everyone involved. That's a bad guy. If you just let <laughs> them burst into flames right now, I know you don't think it'd be too challenging dealing with three guys. Uh, you know, one of whom's sort of an out of shape scientist, one of whom's a travel agent, and one of whom's, for God's sakes, a quarterback for the Jets, who's been threatened by the Jets in the last forty years. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps there was a mistake, and they thought it was Mark Sanchez on the spaceship, so there was really no reason to worry. Oh, anyone other than Joe Namath. They, I mean, come on. Mark Sanchez, come on. Well, you know what? It's it's the same thing as uh, talking about Star Wars again. Uh, the joke about in the first Star Wars when R2 and 3PO uh, eject in the escape pod and they're like, oh, oh, no, hold your fire. Don't don't blow that up. <laughs> it's a, Boy, you could have just, wow, you really blew it, you know? One shot with your laser, dude, and these movies never happen. And all the stuff that was being blown up at the end of Rogue One, <laughs> too, which is just, you know, yeah, anywhere right. from a few minutes <laughs> to a day or two, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Empire didn't seem like a group really worried about conserving ammo. <laughs> <laughs> and when your ammo was just white, you know, yeah. We get to see the, uh, the the spaceship does land at the end of the minute. Uh, it's just some fantastic miniature work. Yeah, I love the ship landing. Love it. Love the way it glides through that rocky landscape. I love that shot. Such cool stuff. And again, if uh, this movie was made today, it, it, it would be CGI'd. It'd be too perfect. There'd be nothing fun about it. It would just be, oh, the ship's landing as it should. And the stuff in this movie has um, the spaceships and everything has so much personality. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They're really fun movies, and Chris Pratt gives a great performance, as do Dave Bautista and the you know the Groot voice work that Vin Diesel of all people does with Groot and Rocket. Just really good movies. But the ship 
in that film has no personality. You, know, you really don't think of anything cool about the Milano other than it's named the Milano. I didn't, I, you know, that I wouldn't have even been able to tell you that. Well, that goes right back to the end of last minute with who's the boss. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where he gets it from. Oh, his yes. love of 80s. <laughs> yeah, it all, see, I, I know we're getting too close to that who's the boss reboot. But, uh, <laughs> it's in the air. It's just a matter of time. But yeah, it, there's no personality to that ship. And the 80s was a great era. The 70s and 80s was a great era for really cool spaceships and the millennium falcon which had just such a distinct look and i I remember being in theaters watching force awakens and just the reaction that the crowd had the first time you see the millennium falcon and it was just an audible gasp and i can't think of any ship from guardians of the galaxy or any other science fiction and hey i love i I love fire uh, firefly slash serenity but I, I don't think the Serenity ship came closest to it, but I still don't think that it connected as well with the audiences. Like, it, nobody has that visceral feel, like love for that ship like they did with the Millennium Falcon or the X-Wing fighters. Or And obviously, this rocket doesn't quite hold the same affection because it's not even named, but it still just looks so damn cool. It feels like that's something that's been lost a little bit. What would Zarkov have named his ship? That's a great question. It'd be something really smart, right? It's like, I can see him calling it Einstein. Yeah. Okay, naming it after a person. Yeah, yeah. Or the, uh, you can name it the Tesla. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Because of all of his oscillators. Right, and also just the fact that Tesla was a, a brilliant scientist who didn't really get the respect he deserved. So I could see Zarkov having kinship with him. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with that. Jack, do you have uh, something pull uh, pull out of your head that he, he might name his ship? I don't know. I feel like going more with, uh, the, the, you know, you say Einstein, and that makes me think of uh, Back to the Future dog, Doc's dog. Um, yeah, and something, you know, you know, you, you have the classic, you know, Gemini and Mercury programs of NASA. So, you know, the, you know, the other, the older dog in Back to the Future when it went in 55, I think that's Copernicus. I think that would be a neat neat way for them to have gone if they had decided to name it that's a good call what uh what else am i missing here eric what else did you see some of the other dialogue when they're they're scanning uh the ship they're unknown life forms to the to the mongo people uh approximate mong scale three they say so i'm wondering what mong scales one and two are you know, those could be maybe the Arboreans and the Ardentians and the Hawkmen or something like that. They're at approximate Mong scale three. Despite Ming attacking Earth for who knows how long, this is the first time they're actually going to be encountering a human. Uh, yeah, I want to see that scale. I, I, I want to see the scale, uh, what the measurements are, just Mong scale, which is really funny. To, to me, I wonder, I wonder about this. It's, it's, it has to do with the size of the ship. So, so this this is a small enough ship. Maybe, maybe the larger ships are two, and then one for the biggest. Okay, good call. Just have a scaling system of three yeah. <laughs> total. <laughs> that's in that case, though. That's our unit of measure. That's a that's a possibility. This is the first time we see Mongo City. Uh, so after they land, uh, we get a nice establishing shot, and uh, I like the shot. It looks very good. It really stands out because you've got this bleak landscape that's just rocks, and you've got this lavish city. And so I want to compare it to uh, the comic strip Mongo, of what it was in the original uh, comic strip. So in the comic strip, Mongo was just one planet, 
and it had varying ecosystems and cultural levels of technology around the planet. The difference here in the movie is we've still got the technology differences between all the different cultures, but they're not all on one planet. You know, Arborea, they have to actually fly to. You see Phrygia floating in the air later on. So it's not just, at least it appears to me, it's not just one planet. It's all different planets. In the comic strip, Mongo was shown as a rogue planet that had drifted into Earth's solar system and was going to collide with Earth. And a rogue planet is also called an interstellar planet, a nomad planet, a free-floating planet, an orphan planet, a wandering planet, a starless planet, or a sunless planet. It's a planet, this is an actual thing, a rogue planet, this was not made up. It's a planet that orbits a galaxy's center instead of a star, either because the planet broke loose from its planetary system, or it was never even part of a solar system. And the Milky Way alone may have billions of rogue planets. And I just want to state that, uh, very coincidentally, uh, I mentioned previously on the podcast, I'm currently doing a a rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise, and there was an episode actually called Rogue Planet, where the Enterprise indeed lands on a rogue planet. And there's your Astronomy 101 lesson. Eric, you're bringing the research. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're doing all the technology, remember, we established this, so, you know, I got to earn my key. Well, one thing going back to the uh, first minute was uh, you, I mean, you. I think you're talking more again about uh, the uh, Dale Flash kind of you know <laughs> engagement, <laughs> what have you. Uh, uh, but then, but then there's a shot of uh, back over to Zarkov, and he's he's back in his uh, constipated acting. <laughs> well, uh, we talked about it before. Tapal has uh, such a weird task because Sam Jones is uh, not the most expressive actor in the world. And, uh, you know, Dale's sort of falling in line with him. And so, so much of the passion in these scenes is provided by uh, Tapal's performance as Zarkov. And uh, it's tough because it, you can feel it's really over the top when you're acting against uh, two performers who are sort of giving a, an understated uh, reading of the lines and uh, the actions. So uh, he's, he's given a whole lot and uh, damn. They're uh, two and a half minute sleep acting. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Thankfully for you guys going to come to a, come to an end. Oh, things are going to get really interesting soon. Yeah. I know we've, we really, these first 15, 20 minutes of the movie really just kind of, Killing time till we get to Mongo. So and then so then the other thing at the end of this uh, crash or pretty close to the end of this crash land, you know, it then uh, goes to a shot of all three of them and 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 the way they're positioned, Dale and Flash over there on the side. You know, he, he's you know seemingly he's kind of maybe trying to be protect protective, but uh, it seems like there's also maybe a little unfortunate uh, groping. Yeah, yeah, that, I noticed that too. His hand is. His hand is, is up to no good. I noticed that too. Is there a way you can position me so that my arm is hanging down in front of her? You know? <laughs> well, this has been uh, another fantastic minute. It's been a great week. Jack, so much. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know you're, you're, you're real busy with the, your, own, uh, your own little world getting um, uh, Watchmen out there. You, you have a great subject matter there. There's just so much with Watchmen and the various comics and the movie and the upcoming TV show and uh, just dealing with the crazy world of uh, Alan Moore. Uh, So I got to ask you, Alan Moore, there have been a lot of uh, movies based on his work. His opinions of those have at best been indifferent and at worst been angry. What is your favorite non-Watchmen version of an Alan Moore comic? 
yeah, yeah, film version. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's. I think V for Vendetta. I mean, I I did. I really hadn't watched it uh, in full until until starting this podcast. I, I think I'd watched uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen a lot a lot more than most of it. I think years years and years ago. Um, haven't really tried to revisit that one, but uh, V for Vendetta. I really I, I thought it was. I thought it had been kind of considered a pretty not so good movie itself, but uh, I actually enjoyed it pretty well. And, and and the comic itself is that one is 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 right there next to Watchmen in my opinion. I, I enjoyed V for Vendetta the comic uh, very much, and uh, the the movie was very good and very different. Um, and I know that was another one that got more pretty ticked off because I think the producer of the movie, uh, Joe Silver, had said in an interview that Alan Moore was in favor of the movie and was ex- said he was excited about it, and Alan Moore was livid and wanted an apology from Silver and an official release from Warner Brothers to disavowing the statement. I was like, really? Who do you think you are? Just over that statement. Just over, yeah. Wow. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a fascinating movie because that was Sean Connery's last movie role. That's too bad. It, it is a shame. Uh, great career. Not necessarily the highest point to, to go out on. Sean Connery, if you ever have a chance, you, you Google, there's a fantastic interview at the premiere of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen where Connery was being asked one too many questions by an interviewer, and Connery could get sort of snippy. And apparently he despised the director at first in a roundabout way, but then in a more direct way, he said he would never work with the director again, which is true because he's never worked with anyone again. But uh, it, it was pretty funny. <laughs> he he wasn't he was not happy at the premiere. So and that's before they knew the movie wasn't going to make hundreds of millions of dollars and spawn uh, sequels. Uh, Eric, do, do you have a, what about you? Is, is there an Alan Moore movie that you can think of as your, as your favorite? Uh, I mean, it's, it's Watchmen. I did not like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. I, I thought V for Vendetta was okay. I didn't love it. I don't know if I've seen any of the other ones. I haven't seen From Hell, and I don't have, have there been any others made? Gosh, I feel like there's one more out there, but I can't think of it. Yeah, I, I think that might be a V for Vendetta, From Hell, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and The Watchmen. I think that's... And for a guy who doesn't like his, who doesn't want his stuff being made into movies, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I guess Watchmen is the only one of his movie-wise that I that I really enjoyed. Well, the the next closest one is a cartoon, not live action. Killing the Killing Joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. They, that's right. Uh, a year or two ago. That's right. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That's right. Killing Joke is probably one of, if not my favorite, single issue of a comics. I love Killing Joke. Was not happy with the animated movie at all. We we uh, we actually did a pretty pretty intensive uh, discussion about that on uh, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, where we just uh, Jarf and I just had a discussion that we were not we were unhappy with a lot of the things that happened in that movie, aside from the fact that the actual Killing Joke story was the second half of the movie. Yeah, they they added a lot in that was not in the graphic novel, right? Right, right. Basically, you had a Batgirl story at the first half of it that led into. The, the second half, which was the killing joke. So it was, uh, eh, you know, this, uh, for us, it was a little bit of a swing in the miss. I understand if someone likes it and, uh, Mark Hamill was the voice of the Joker and he's amazing. He is an amazing voice actor. You can't go wrong there. The next closest thing that you could say might be an adaptation of something of his is a swamp thing. Oh dear God. And, and that, and that being on TV, I, I want to say in like the early nineties is kind of when I saw it, you know, on the early, I think the early uh, days of sci-fi or maybe it was USA or something like that. 
I barely paid attention to it. There were two movies, and believe it or not, we have brought up Swamp Thing before during this uh, program. And there were two movies: one with uh, Adrian Barbeau, and the second with Heather Locklear. And then they have a sh- they had a short-lived series. I don't know if Alan Moore's ever talked about Swamp Thing. I-, I don't imagine that would be his favorite. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't the creator of Swamp Thing, so yeah. Yeah, right. No, he just had an I- yeah. He wasn't the creator. He just had an iconic run, and I know they used some of his ideas from the comics in the second movie, I want to say. All right. So, uh, Jack, where can people find out more about Watchmen Minute? Yeah, uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Watchmen Minute. That's our page. Hope you all can just uh, choose to like it and hopefully find out, get uh, little little dribbles here and there the way Facebook works via that um, source. But then uh, the group there is Crime Busters Listener Society. So, hopefully... People can come in and have some good discussions, uh, but then also on Twitter at Watchmen Minute, and I, and actually uh, Travis he also handle he handles the Twitter and the Instagram. Again, we're sharing. We share the even the social media. We're not all one of us, one thing, and or uh, you know all social media. We uh, share how we do that, and he uh, he does Instagram too. So however you figure Watchmen Minute, we're straight up that way, and we're on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher, the big boys, I think. Uh, Eric, where can uh, people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? We have uh, our own social media presence. It's handled by Jarf. Uh, where should people go? Yes, Twitter is Flash Gordon Pod. Facebook fan page is the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. Chat with us and email us at flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Eric, it's been another fantastic week. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I give you all the credit. You, you, are the, the, you are the driving force behind this, and it's, uh, it's always a joy. But not everything's a joy because uh, I, I have uh, just something really weird going on next door. We have a new neighbor, kind of short, uh, freckly, always wearing a trench coat and sort of mumbling himself in monologues. Uh, Eric, I think, our, I think our new neighbor is Rorschach. Huh. Well, if you're concerned that someday you'll wake up and standing two inches from your face is a freaky white masked thing with ink blots run all over you don't worry about it it's probably just a nightmare but if it's if, if, if it's not a nightmare if it's real flesh will save you stay tuned next week to find out what fate awaits our heroes and what strange and wondrous tangents brad and eric will pursue all this and the one and only crystal beth of fifth element only here on flash gordon minute